Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. My Money and Me with Sumitra Naidu on Kaya FM 95.9. Right, welcome back. We continue now with the show. This is My Money and Me. It's day 12 of the lockdown in South Africa and it's not getting any easier. More companies are announcing salary cuts and retrenchments, but it is a decision that needed to be made to curb the spread of COVID-19. Unfortunately, you know, there will be repercussions for the economy and the nation. Now, last week we spoke about some of the relief measures that were announced by government um, in terms of uh, tax holidays days, tax subsidies, um, the, you know, the relief fund that was set up, um, help for small businesses. Um, and we looked very closely at uh, those people that are struggling to pay their day-to-day expenses and pay on their loans. And we spoke about credit insurance. Now, Basani Maluleka is the CEO of African Bank and she joins me this evening. And African Bank has been very vocal about the credit insurance. Um, just to take us through that and what the bank is doing, Basani is on the line to give us a little bit more insight. Basani, thank you so much for your time this evening. Hello, Zanitra. Thank you for having me. So last week, it felt like some of the banks were failing to remind clients that they could actually use these policies, that they were, in fact, paying for it. African Bank, though, said upfront that this was available. Take us through the importance of having to look through your statements to find out whether you have it and, you know, as it could be very helpful during this time. Yeah, so I think it's, uh, you know, the, 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 um, unsecured lending industry has undergone a pretty large transformation since the National Credit Act was passed. And one of the important things that was put in place in 2017 was this idea of credit life insurance. And the intention behind it was to ensure that when customers do come under financial pressure, that they have an avenue that they can call on to alleviate that pressure. So everybody's credit life insurance is structured, structured a little bit differently. Um, the African Bank one um, enables you to claim from it if you're retrenched, if you're working short time, or if you're on unpaid leave. And given where we are now, I just heard you in, in your introduction talking about the fact that many employers are looking to put, you know, in, um, to put their staff on short time. Mm. Um, and that's, that's hard, you know. And I think what, when we sat down and thought to ourselves, what can we do to help our customers? Um, this was one of the things that came up as being the most valuable. So I think while you know doing something like taking a payment holiday on your um, loan, on your home loan, or on your on your post personal loan, can seem like a very good idea. The reality is, you know, we're probably going to be in this space for a prolonged period, um, and it's going to be a little bit more difficult or take a little bit longer for people to find jobs again. So being able to rely on something like credit insurance credit life insurance for a 12-month period uh, or up to a 12-month period gives you a a little bit extra flexibility to manage your financial affairs. You know, it just raises the fact that, you know, insurance policies, no matter how big or small they are, they're almost like grudge purchases. And I think there was a survey that was done and found that many people opted not to take out this insurance. Yeah. And often when people come under financial pressure, the first thing they do is to cancel, to start paying on the insurance policies. And I think we do that because, you know, when your priorities are about feeding your family mm-hmm. versus paying for something that you can't see the immediate benefit of, you know, we are much more likely to want to do that. So I think it's perfectly understandable that people do 
take the view to um, hold to start paying on those things. But the challenge, of course, is that when you need them, um, like now, right, mm. um, those things aren't there. And I mean, I was, I was saying to a friend earlier today that, you know, we often, as banks, have, have complained about, um, you know, the, the capital requirements that, um, that have been put on banks shortly after the great financial crisis of 2008. The banks have to hold enormous amounts of capital, which practically just means that should something horrible happen, we'll be able to survive. Right? Yeah. That's actually it. It just means it's much more expensive to, to be in banking today than it was ages ago. But looking back on it now, you know, you can see that having those additional buffers, having those extra reserves makes a huge difference when you're facing a crisis like we are doing today. Talking about uh, the banking sector, obviously, you know, the president said the banks are exempt from antitrust rules, uh, you know, in order for them to come together to talk, to coordinate their response. Uh, are you part of those discussions? Can you give us some insight as to what's happening there? I'm not part of those discussions, but I have been in touch with banks who are part of those discussions as well as with Cas Gavardia, who is conducting those um, conversations. Um, and we get the uh, minutes coming out of, of each of those discussions. I think, look, I, I think Kaz has been an unbelievable chairman of Barca, of the Banking Association. Um, I think he cares deeply about the country um, and making sure that the banking sector itself is sustainable. And as a result, I think the things, the, the outcomes coming out of those conversations make a lot of sense. Um, the intention of the banks is to make sure that they can, they can as far as possible, support the economy, support individuals, and support SMEs. And why that matters is that if we don't do those things, if we don't support SMEs so that they can continue to employ people, the economy will fail, and then nobody wins. Um, so I, I don't remember a time in my life when I've seen such eager collaboration, um, you know, such a, a dedicated commitment to trying to find solutions that make the country and the economy better. We also need to remember that the banking sector um, is also going through, you know, the trials and tribulations of what's happening right now in terms of African Bank. I mean, you came out of your own. I mean, you came out of curatorship a few years ago. You're back on track. You recently relaunched all of your branches Um, in terms of the health of African Bank itself. How are you coping I mean, look, as you pointed out, this is definitely not the time for us to be in a financial crisis um, because you really were riding a wave um, and making great progress. But as I, as I said earlier, you know, I think the way that the Reserve Bank supervises the banks has ensured that all of us are very resilient. Um, you know, we have a lot of buffers to protect us in environments such as this. Um, and it's so much so that over the, over the last 24 hours, in fact, and um, the Reserve Bank has said that we can start using some of the buffers um, that are in place to help us to cope in the environment that we're in. So I think, we, I think I'm confident that we're going to be fine, that we're going to get through this, that we will be able to support our customers um, as we go through this, we will to support our staff. We are an essential service, so our staff um, are on the front line in servicing customers and making sure that the bank um, continues to be able to serve the public. Yeah, so I think we will be fine. Um, it has just slowed down our growth trajectory. You know, we had dreams for where we would be 12 months from now. And I think all of those things have had to be put on hold um, as we navigate these very difficult waters. Can I ask what that uh, growth trajectory looks like at the moment? 
So, I mean, maybe the key things were about making sure that we, we made it a call last year, we launched our, our My World account, so it's our mm-hmm. first transactional account. Mm-hmm. We believe that it's a competitive product, it's a really sexy product, it really speaks to um, how people live their lives in South Africa, and we think it's, it's really um, going to improve people's lives and help them to bank better. And more cheaply, by the way. Um, and, you know, in a, in a world that we were looking at at the beginning of the year, you know, we would have been able to do a lot more marketing and um, do a lot more activations, the kind of face-to-face with customers uh, or potential customers um, and help the customer to understand the product and take up the product. And it just means we slow that kind of thing down. You know, it means we can't do the things that we wanted to do. Um, it means customers also have a lot less freedom to kind of try new things because everybody's, scared right now, right? Everybody wants mm-hmm. to kind of um, retreat into um, a safe space that they're familiar with and they're used to. So it just means our plans to grow our customer base, to diversify our revenue, have to slow down and take a back seat um, as we support our customers through a very difficult time. Are you worried at all about your loan book? Are you prepared for the flood of impairments that may actually result from this lockdown? Um, you know, Sinitra, it, it's something that my team and I think about all the time. Um, and we um, have looked at it from lots of different perspectives. Um, and at the moment, we are confident that we have enough reserves, enough capital to be able to deal with the impairments that are coming. Um, so, you know, and having said that, I also recognize that we still, there's still so much uncertainty out there. You know, and we still don't know what is to come. So we welcome the Reserve Bank's approach of releasing some of the capital so that we are able to uh, manage the growing level of impairments as well. You are still offering the most attractive interest rates on your fixed investments. Has the interest in those offers subsided at all? Because I remember that, um, you know, the, the take-up was phenomenal. The take-up has really been fantastic. We have been so pleased um, in the in the months um, up to March with the take-up. It's, it's really been fantastic. Um, I mean, look, the, the challenge for us is that a lot of those deposits came through our branch network. So while our branches have remained open and will remain open um, throughout the lockout period, um, the reality is that people are in lockdown, so we are less footfall into those branches, which means that there will be a reduction in um, the take-up of that product. However, we're hoping that once the lockdown um, has been lifted, um, we're hoping that the government's interventions that you spoke about earlier around tax relief, around mm. uh, the solidarity fund that was founded to help support SMEs, et cetera, that all of those things will actually take effect and become successful, which means hopefully we'll recover soon enough um, for us to get right back on track again. In terms of in terms of you know when this lockdown we don't know when this lockdown I mean we know twenty one days right and we don't know if it will be extended but considering that we in uncharted territory what do we have to offer um, customers going forward um, to get them back on track get them back you know into economic activity back to where they once were and that's such a good question and I think that's why the banks have been looking at things like payment but because you're saying if this is going to be a short period, um, and look, you can define short as you know a one month or three months or, or, or longer. So you, you know, mm. one month, you don't know what the presidency will, will will determine. Because it is a short period, let's find a way to bring relief to customers um, who are the most likely to be able to continue to pay us when we come out of this. Um, so I think that's been 
the approach to say what products um, and initiatives exist to protect our customer bases so that when we come out of this, they are in a good position to be able to continue to pay. And I think that is the right approach. And I do think, you know, things like credit life, it means that, you know, you you can have some breathing room for a while while this thing runs its course. And then once you're back on track again, um, you can go back to paying your loans. Because that was one of the regulations that came out right in 2017 that everybody that took out a loan needed to have some sort of credit insurance. It also helps with the banks being so risk averse to lend. Is this a bit of a wake up call, you know, in terms of, well, not necessarily a wake up call, but a rethink of how we do it? Because we really need to make uh, money more accessible to people in order for them to do. I mean, we, we keep hearing the fact that small businesses are struggling because they can't access funding. It's still a major issue. With that, I mean, considering that we're going through yeah. this, having the policies in place um, so that it's less riskier, but we make it more accessible. Um, you know, and it's, it's tricky. I think once we've, I mean, the last couple of weeks have been a whirlwind, right? Mm-hmm. I think for many of us, we keep hoping we can pinch ourselves and wake up from the nightmare. I think, you know, a lot of water must still run under the bridge. I think lessons will be learned about what the future needs to look like. I think it's too early to make a call on what the future must look like now. Mm. I, I think we, we need a few more data points um, to really understand that. I think what is clear to me at this time is if you look at how the developed countries are responding to this, right? I mean, you have the U.S. looking at printing $2 trillion to inject into the economy just to make things work. You know, yeah. you have China building hospitals in the course of a week and, you know, giving, you know, you have Europe giving salary subsidies to people. And I think the richer nations are better positioned to cope with this because they have bigger balance sheets. They have stronger economies. They have more reserves. And I think what I've realized is the importance of having more reserves. You know, we don't know what the future is going to hold. And I think the future becomes more and more unpredictable, as we've seen um, in the last 10 years. It just is unpredictable. And I think the, the big thing for me right now is how do we start thinking about the future wherein um, people are able to build up reserves? If it's a question of thinking about minimum wage um, and saying, um, how do we build an economy where people actually are able to earn enough so that they can save something? at the end of the day, um, because a rainy day will arrive. How do we rebuild ourselves? How do we reimagine what our country must look like, what our businesses must look like to better support you know, the more vulnerable communities amongst us, the, most vulnerable, the more vulnerable people around us? Because if we don't do that, those people will forever be at the front line of disaster. Mm. Um, and that can't be how we as people want to be remembered. That can't be the, the example we want to set for our children. Right? We should be people who want to look after the most vulnerable. So I think, you know, as we come out of this, right, now this is a, you know, in six months or 12 months from now, once the horror of all of this has passed, I think we can start, you know, having those conversations uh, because I think they're more important now than they've ever been before. Well said, thank you so much. And let's hope that it's going to come pretty soon. Uh, Basani, thank you very much for your time this evening. That was Basani Maluleka, the CEO of African Bank. My Money and Me with Sumitra Naidu every Tuesday from 8 to 9 p.m. Kaya FM 95.9.
Of course, you know, we're still talking every day about what's going on with this virus, COVID-19 spreading. Um, you know, our numbers are not as bad as uh, some countries across the world, but, you know, it could be the quiet before the storm. We don't know. Um, and there are all sorts of struggles. Um, you know, we just heard uh, Basani talking about people on the front line. Um, healthcare workers very important on the front line fighting every single day to um, you know help patients that are struggling with this virus I've got Josias Naidu uh, he's an audiologist and he is from the Hope for Health organization and basically what they're doing is trying to pull together a whole lot of doctors to get critical supplies to South Africa at this time. Josias, thank you for your time this evening. Tell me what's going on. So I think in, in, in a situation like this, the first thing that we need to protect is um, our health system. When we face a pandemic such as this, if we allow our health system to be deteriorated, uh, we run the risk of the infection overtaking us as a country. And we found that with, with the rapid uh, spread of the infection, we've had uh, paid people, normal people, your your, your neighbours, your your friends and family, who, to probably just a little bit of fear, a little bit of panic, went out and started buying uh, masks and protective gear, which, in in a, in a country like ours where we already have uh, a shortage of medical supplies, has put a huge strain on 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 the the, the state's ability to adequately protect all our health professionals. So we at Hope for Health, we've identified this problem. We've uh, interacted with friends and colleagues in the health sector that have been working, committing their lives and bravely fighting against this disease to Mm. protect our uh, citizens. But many of them have come up and said, you know what, we're doing this, but we don't have adequate protection. We don't have masks. Um, and if we do have masks, we don't always have the appropriate mask for the type of patients that we are now seeing. And uh, that's where our little initiative uh, uh, began. And we are hoping that we were able to motivate uh, civil society, motivate businesses, um, and try and support the government. Many people say oh, that it's the government's duty to, put, uh, put, mm. to provide all of these things to, to people. But... The government is also caught uh, in the middle because this this infection isn't something that was uh, coming in a long time, you know. It's something that pretty quickly sprang upon us. And with the limited resources that we have, the state is doing the best that they can in terms of uh, protecting people. But I think in a, in a situation like this, it's critical for us as, as society to partner with the state and to assist the state in ensuring that there's sufficient supply for everyone. Josiah, I think maybe what we must do is really just clear this up. You're a doctor, you know about the masks. Tell me, there's just so much of confusion around the mask. Firstly, you know, yeah. should we wear them? Shouldn't we wear them? What kind of mask? Um, should they be, you know, the 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 ones manufactured for um, the healthcare workers or can you make your own? Please clear this up for me. What What is the deal with the mask okay so at this point in time the cdc has recommended that members of the public start using or consider using simple cloth face coverings mm-hmm. uh, when in a public setting and the, the reason they're doing this is one um, we need to um, allow for the critical 
uh, frontline staff, so your health staff, to actually be able to access the the, the three ply and the uh, N95 masks. But also, we we've there's not much research, but uh, there's a lot of discussion around the topic, and the theory behind the CDC's uh, um, recommendation is that should you be infected and be asymptomatic, if you do use a, 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 a cotton or a homemade uh, face mask, you do, uh, to some extent, reduce the risk of spreading that virus to other people. So if we're going to assume that we're all infected, and that's what we should be doing, we should be uh, assuming that we're infected and we don't want to spread the disease. Um, so if we assume that we're infected and if we are unable to uh, implement social distancing and isolation, and we are forced into a situation where we are in close contact with people, um, using the uh, clock face coverings is, 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 a, is an option to prevent you from potentially uh, spreading or, or through coughing and sneezing, spreading the, that uh, aerosol across. Okay, so the issue here is that there's not enough medical masks Right, so you yes. talk about N95. What is the difference? Why is this one so critical? Um, and that you're saying people shouldn't go out and buy them because you're keeping them from health workers that need them more than anything else. Okay, so the the the, the, the main thing is in the name itself, N95. So the, the the 95 suggests to us that this mask particularly is able to filter out a minimum of 95% of the airborne particles. Um, so those are the large and smaller particles. So um, they're more able to protect um, practitioners from contracting any of that aerosol, aerosol-based um, infection. So that's the critical uh, factor. Okay, it's, and obviously uh, health workers are coming into really close contact and, uh, and, and they are coming into contact with people that are testing positive, so they really need them. But we are running at a shortage there isn't enough and health workers are at risk unfortunately um it's not it's not a it's not a south african issue it's a global issue mm-hmm. um there's there's, a, there's an international shortage of uh these n95 masks um and because of the the the, the spread of this infection and the the, the speed at which it uh progressed, many suppliers haven't been able to keep up with the global demands. So that's the one main thing. Uh, the second, uh, as we mentioned earlier, is that the members of the public, through possibly mm-hmm. fear or any other uh, motivating factors, went out and uh, bought a lot of these masks, even companies. I think um, earlier I read an article that uh, big companies like Facebook and uh, Apple went went on, on, a, on a shopping spree and bought millions of N95s that they were hoping to provide for their for their employees only, um, which then reduces the available uh, product for, for the health sector. The good thing is that companies such as that have uh, realized that, you know what, perhaps protecting the health force is more important, mm-hmm. and they started donating um, to various uh, medical institutions. At least that's good news. But, you know, there's also conflicting reports about the fact that uh, uh, manufacturers have this in stockpiles, but they're not letting them go. They're not selling them to the health sector. I, I wouldn't say not selling. Okay. I think one of the, one of the, the, the issues is that they've, they've, they've got stock 
They were able, a lot, a lot of businesses were able to secure stock early on. But in, 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 every, in every sector, you're going to get the rotten apple. So there are a few people that may have bought cheap, but they're holding on um, uh, to, to wait for the price to be uh, driven as high as possible. Mm. I mean, these masks, even the surgical masks, were like two rand last year. Yeah. And uh, today, if you, if you were desperate, you would find somebody willing to sell it to you for 30 rand. Um, you know, so th- that's that's the problem that we're facing. Um, those people that do have stock have hiked the mm. prices up. Um, they've also increased the quantity, the minimum order quantity that, that they would be able to supply. So you and I, if we were running a small practice and we only needed 200 masks, we wouldn't be able to easily get it because most of the um, the mask wholesalers, so to speak, won't look at you if, you if you're going to buy less than 50 or 100,000. So for the average practitioner, even 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 public sector employees, um, if you want to 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 supplement what the state has provided and you want to buy, it becomes very difficult mm. because. Nobody has that kind of money lying around to buy that quantity. Okay, so Josiah's support, um, Hope for Health, is the initiative that you'll have set up. Um, basically, people can donate so that you can, you know, even if it means paying, you know, triple the price for these um, for these masks, you need to buy it on bulk, right? Yes. So um, is that the call um, to action here? People need to start assisting with getting these uh, with getting these masks to the health sector. So there's, there's a few things that we're hoping to to, to drive. Uh, one, if if members of the public actually have unused masks, mm-hmm. um, so masks that are still in their boxes or still sealed, um, and they've realised that you know what we're now staying at home, we're, we're self uh, distancing. We, we're not going out often, so... So the, hand them over, donate them. Yes. Those unused masks, you can contact us and we can uh, arrange for them to be collected or we can arrange for you to drop them off at a convenient location and we'll, we'll uh, distribute to, to the needy what, health professional. What is the email address? Josiah, sorry, we're running out of time, but uh, hoping that we can get people in touch with you. So the email address that I have here... Please correct me if it's wrong. It's support at hopeforhealth.co.za. Can people yeah. email you to see what kind of assistance you need or to find those drop-off points or to yes. suggest a pickup? If, if people are interested, they can just pop us an email and one of our uh, team members will definitely respond to them and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll facilitate the, the handover. You, do you have a phone number as yet or is it just the email address for now? For so now, the easiest would be to to use the email address. Um, yes, but um, should people need to phone us, you can call us. Um, I'm just going to get you the, the the office contact number that we've allocated. It's zero one two zero one two three four eight 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 double five.
Okay, so zero one two three four eight double eight double five, and if you uh, want to pop an email through to um, this advocacy group, it's support at hope for health. The four is uh, the numeric um, hope for health We'll try and put that up on the website as well if you want to get in contact with the advocacy group and see what support you can offer them in terms of getting these critical masks to the health sector. Josias, uh, thank you very much for your time. That's uh, Doctor. Josias and Naidu on behalf of Hope for Health. Rewinding, Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Visit kayafm.co.za for more.